the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm here today with Andrea Dew Steele, the founder of Emerge, a training ground for women entering politics. She's had some big success lately, considering Emerge graduates include Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff, San Francisco Mayor London Breed, and San Francisco Supervisors Malia Cohen and Catherine Stephanie. We're talking about how her friend Kamala Harris inspired her to found Emerge, her predictions for the midterm elections in November, and what she'd like to see happen to President Trump after his time in the White House. That's all coming up on this episode of On San Francisco. This is Jason Fagoni, reporter at The Chronicle, inviting you to listen to Toxic. Along with my colleague here, Cynthia Dizikis, we are investigating one of the biggest stories in San Francisco right now, the troubled cleanup of the former Hunter's Point Naval Shipyard, a super fun waste site, and the cleanup of other Navy sites around the Bay Area. We are getting into environmental racism here. We are getting into fraud, scandal, basically trying to get to the bottom of this story that is about San Francisco's past and is also shaping its future. Toxic, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. To set the stage, we recorded this interview in Andrea's office on California Street, which is why you can hear cable cars clanging in the background. Her office is decorated with signs reading Make America Emerge Again and Not Today, Patriarchy. Now let's get started. Well, thanks so much for being with me today. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for having me, Heather. So you've had a really good track record locally in the past couple of years. Um, Emerge graduates include London Breed, the new mayor of San Francisco, Malia Cohen, the new president of the Board of Supervisors, Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff, and of course U.S. Senator Kamala Harris. Do you feel like a proud mom, or what, what have you felt like with all these pieces of news? I certainly do. And just to be clear, Kamala Harris was one of my inspirations for starting Emerge. Okay. So we can't claim her as an Emerge grad, but it was when she... I think you still can. <laughs> it was when she came to me and she was a friend of mine and said, Andrea, I want to run for office. How do I do it? Yeah. And I realized that I needed to do something to make it easier for the Kamala Harris's of the world to get into politics. How long had you known her? I had known her for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was on a board of directors that I was um, helpful with. And anybody who's with her uh, for five minutes knows that she needs to be leading big things. Yeah. But it was Kamala then who recruited London into the program. Oh, great. Uh, to, in 2008. So, yeah, I do feel really uh, happy and proud. I am living in San Francisco. I've been here 18 years, and I just really want the Bay Area to be a wonderful, thriving place. Right. Um, can you talk me through that conversation with Kamala that kind of started this for you and how the light bulb went off that something like this is needed? Absolutely. So when Kamala came to me and said, Andrea, I want to run for office. Where do I start? I told her to come up to my apartment. I was living in Haight-Ashbury at that time. So she walked up the four flights of stairs and sat down with me at my little green desk. And she said, what do we do? And I said, well, we need to do your bio. We can't do anything without a bio. Mm -hmm. So we typed up her bio. And then she said, "Okay, what's next? And I said, well, we need to get your contacts in order because we have to start fundraising. And she pulled out a file of facts. She hadn't put any of her contacts into a database. Mm. Now, this was 2002. Uh-huh. But still, uh, I realized that if we could make it easier for women, if we could get them starting to think like a candidate earlier as well. 
So they're doing some of the groundwork as they go. That's right. Mm -hmm. And in fact, at our eMERGE training, the very first day we say, your candidacy begins today. And we try to get them to really start thinking like a candidate. And it was at that time uh, that I thought, well, what can we do to make it easier? Mm -hmm. Because maybe if we can provide some information training, we can help women get into it. It was also at that time that I decided to get involved in local politics. Mm -hmm. And it was at that same green desk that I sat down and I looked up my supervisor and realized in 2002, we only had two women supervisors out of 11. Right. And I thought, that is unacceptable in the city of San Francisco. So I started really thinking about these factors and what is preventing women from getting into office in a city as liberal as San Francisco. What do you think has changed now? We have the second woman mayor ever, which is pretty incredible. Um, a woman running the board, a majority on the board of supervisors. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. How do you think we've turned that corner? Well, I think there are a couple of different factors. Certainly, it, it helps to fill the pipeline, again, to have women who are ready to take the plunge and run for office. And that's what we've been doing since we started in 2002, because Kamala Harris started as DA in mm-hmm. 2002, right? Then she was AG and then senator. And that's what we do as women, right? Diane Feinstein started as supervisor, then mayor, right? Uh-huh. And then senator, Barbara Boxer. So we, we really have to be focused on filling that pipeline to make sure women can move up. I also think that if you look, we have some great feminist men. I mean, Gavin did some Mm -hmm. great appointments. So did Mayor Ed Lee. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a feeling, certainly right now, I think that this is the moment. Mm -hmm. I don't think it hurt that Oprah Winfrey had that wonderful speech about this being the moment, particularly for black women, to not just, you know, carry the, the vote load for Democrats, but also to be in office and leading the way. Mm -hmm. So I think we are experiencing some of that. And do you still stay in close touch with Kamala? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a little busy. Yeah, a little more than she was. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I certainly am trying to help her in any way I can because I want her to be successful. And I think she's doing a great job so far as our senator. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to support her. She's been pretty outspoken against the president, has a new memoir coming out. A lot of people think she's laying the groundwork for a presidential run. Do you think she should run for president? I'm saying what a lot of us are saying right now who work in politics, that we need to be focused on 2018. Mm -hmm. And um, that is what I'm focused on. We have 90 days, I believe, uh, to the next, uh, to the election. And uh, we really have to be focused on that. And then I think we'll see what happens. Uh, I want to be sure that we have this, again, robust pipeline and that we're not focused on the top of the ticket. So that's what's been wrong uh, with Democrats for too long, Mm -hmm. that we've just been focused on this kind of savior. Mm -hmm. It's not going to save us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to be really working on getting great mayors in office. You know, we need to be focused on the 520,000 offices in this country. Wow. That's what's really going to help us. What do you foresee happening on that big night in November with the midterm elections? Do you think it's going to be a good night for Democrats or... I am very optimistic um, because I see that our turnout has been up. I saw a poll this weekend on MSNBC that Democratic uh, primary voter turnout was up by 84% in the recent uh, you know, special elections and everything, and Republican turnout was up by 24%. So I think that bodes well for our side if we can keep the momentum going. Mm-hmm. We have to be worried about fatigue, you know, this Trump fatigue. 
Um, so, uh, you know, we have to every day wake up and think, what can we do to make sure that this election is successful? Those of us in the Bay Area, uh, we have to be helping candidates both locally but also uh, nationally. Um, and I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I hope you never know what's going to happen in the world, right? right. That, that worries me. But I think that um, certainly momentum is on our side. Is there a race you're watching in particular, either in California or nationally in November? Well, I'm very excited because uh, one of our Emerge alums is uh, running for Congress in New Mexico. Her mm -hmm. name is Deb Holland. Mm -hmm. And if elected, or when she is elected, she will be our first ever Native American woman in Congress. Wow. So I'm very excited about that race in particular. And, um, you know, in general, I am really focused on so many of our races. This year, we have 781 women running for office, up and down ballots all across the country. And we are really focused also on uh, maybe less glamorous offices like state legislative mm -hmm. races because that's what's really going to make the difference when mm -hmm. we have, you know, this, um, this man in office at the top of the ticket, uh, the president. Um, we need to be making sure we're building power everywhere. So I'm focused on just a lot of exciting races uh, mm -hmm. across the country where we're doing that. It might be pretty obvious, but can you talk about why you think it is that so many women have been inspired to run since President Trump's election in 2016? Sure, Heather. Well, again, I've been doing this work uh, since 2002, right, trying to get women to run for office. And the single biggest reason we don't have more women in office is because generally they don't want to do it. So that that's why I'm ecstatic. We're ecstatic at Emerge America because women woke up and we elected the, the biggest misogynists we've ever seen probably in, in politics ever. And that was just such a slap in the face to us as women. Right. How could, how could America have done that? And so I think that was galvanizing. But more importantly, women run for office because of issues. They run for office because they care about the fact that children are being mowed down in schools. Mm -hmm. They run for office because they want to you know, fix their schools and their communities. Mm -hmm. They run for office because they care about the economy. They are running for office because of issues. So, so I it's think, not like personal power. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that every single issue we care about is absolutely on the line now. Right. That's why you really see a lot of women running for office. And finally, those women who have said, oh, I'm not... I'm not qualified. I don't have a, you know, five master's degrees and a PhD. Now they see how you don't have to have any experience at all. <laughs> the right? <silver> lining. <laughs> exactly. So I do think uh, that is also a factor uh, yeah. that women are waking up and. Why do you, you referred to him as probably the biggest misogynist we've had in the White House? Why do you think it is that America elected a man who was on tape saying such vulgar things about women, doing things to women that they didn't want, and yet he got elected a few weeks later? Well, I, I do. I think there's a lot of uh, navel gazing that has been going on, um, certainly since the election, um, and we really have to figure out why why people all across the country think the way they do. I think Arlie Hochschild wrote a great book about um, Stranger in My Own Land. Mm -hmm. uh, she went and lived in Louisiana and really tried to figure out how people think in Louisiana. And I do think, as Democrats, progressives, uh, that's where I'm coming from. We need to really go out and fight all across the country. So at Emerge America, since the election, we've opened um, new affiliates, we call them, in Louisiana, 
South Carolina, Alabama, Arkansas. So we really have to talk to voters and um, have an ongoing conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of the problem, that we weren't engaged in having meaningful conversation with voters all across the country. And um, a, lot of, a lot of people voted for very different reasons. They weren't, they weren't taking into account Trump's personal characteristics, right? Um, they were voting because they thought he would be better for their pocketbook or other, mm -hmm. other reasons. And, and I do think that there were many different factors, right? right? Because Hillary didn't win the most amount of votes, but you have to take in James Comey, the Russians. Yeah. Think about how many factors it took to take uh, Hillary Clinton down. Right. Outside factors that have never, you know, we've never had before. So, um, Don't you think if she'd been a man with the exact same resume, she would have won handily? You know, I I think sexism it was a big factor. I do, Heather. I think she probably would have won. Um, and um, it's a tragedy that she didn't. Uh, but, I, but I think it's been a wake-up call to mm -hmm. women all across this country. I, I've never seen so many women inspired, and not just candidates, but all the women who are helping candidates, who are working around the clock. So it was a wake-up call, I think, to the younger generation, mm -hmm. um, saying, this is, wow, this is amazing that we could have him um, in office. To mothers all across the country, I have children, I can't listen to the radio anymore yeah. because of what you know this, this, this man might say. So it has been a wake-up call, but it, it is hard to understand how anybody could have voted for him. Right. Um, switching gears back to local government, when I wrote about London Breeds, Win and um, noted in some columns that she was the first woman of color to become mayor of San Francisco. I got some pretty nasty response, mostly from men saying that I was racist and sexist for pointing that out, and yet she proudly pointed that out in many speeches and press releases. Why do you think there's um, some misconception people have that we shouldn't make a note of it when women and people of color reach positions that people like them have never reached before? Some people say we shouldn't talk about their race or their gender. We should just look at the person. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think we need to be celebrating it and pointing it out. I think we absolutely have to say, first of all, the first woman in 40 years, only the second time we've ever had a woman mayor, how can you be a reporter and not point that out? Right. I don't see. And the fact that she is the first woman of color, you absolutely have to say that. We have to shine a light on underrepresentation. Yeah. That's a big issue. A lot of people don't know uh, how underrepresented we are, or the mm -hmm. fact that, for example, California is 25th in the country in terms of women's representation in the state legislature. Wow. People don't know that. They don't know that we're, I think we're 113th in the world in terms of women's representation. Wow. So every time I see a reporter interject something like that where we can help educate the public, I think it's very important, mm -hmm. and I, I'm glad that you were able to, to call attention to that. Mm -hmm. And do you see any difference in how women actually lead once they do decide to make the hard decision of running and are able to win? Do you see concrete differences in their leadership style? Well, absolutely. Um, look at Libby Schaff. Mm -hmm. I do think uh, she's been a great mayor, in my opinion, and the way she wasn't afraid to take on you know, ICE take yeah, on Donald Trump, incredible. being pretty fearless. Um, certainly, you know, the research absolutely shows that women are more collaborative. We pass more legislation. We co-sponsor more legislation if we're in a legislative body. Um, there's no question about that. The difference 
we make when we're at the decision-making table and we bring our personal experience to bear, which is different um, from men's. Having London Breed as our mayor, that's going to be amazing to just just have her point of view sitting there at decision-making tables. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely, it makes a tremendous difference to have women in decision-making bodies. We've been really spoiled in the Bay Area, so, yeah, you know. And how do you... Um, I know many women are running because of President Trump, but how do you convince more to do so when the political atmosphere has become so nasty and you know people can be targeted on Twitter and other social media? And um, you brought up the good example of Libby Chef and ICE in Oakland and the you know awful statements made towards her. How can women kind of stand up and fight against that? Well, first of all, we have to say you you have to do it. Your country is depending on you. And I, I like to say, I want to take back the flag and just say, it's your patriotic duty. Mm. Do you love your country? Do you want to help your country at this point? Do you want to help your community? Um, it's, it's, it's now that we need really great people to step up to the plate. And again, there are so many ways of serving, 520,000 offices. And in a lot of those offices, you're not going to have such, you know, people aren't going to criticize you if you're serving on the water board or the college board. It's not the same as, mm-hmm. as serving as mayor or mm-hmm. a higher level office. And also one thing that we provide at Emerge is really a sisterhood. Right. So we're going to be there for you. You're going to be able to turn to your other Emerge women you went through your six-month program with. You're going to have a whole group of people who are going to be there for you mm-hmm. and um, who also potentially might have experienced something like that who can come and say, this is what this is what I did. Or maybe just take you out for a glass of wine. <laughs> Sometimes that's what we need. <laughs> Sometimes that is. Well, that's a good transition into our more fun lightning round of questions. Um, first question is, what is your favorite place to get a burrito in San Francisco? Well, I, um, I go to a little hole in the wall on um, Chestnut Street uh, with my children. My children particularly love burritos. And uh, that's usually where we go. I'm sorry I can't remember the name <laughs> that's right okay. now. <laughs> I'm sure your schedule can get pretty hectic. Is there one thing you always make sure to squeeze into your day? I have a dog, mm-hmm. so I have a German Shepherd, so I really almost always try to squeeze in at least a little walk with her. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And what is your place to get a stiff drink when you do need that glass of wine? <laughs> well, I love, I go to the Presidio uh, Social Club because uh-huh. I live near there, and they have a great uh, drink called the Gunpowder. Oh, <laughs> I nice. I love that drink, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Gosh, my favorite movie filmed here, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh yeah, that's what London Breed said. Oh really? Maybe it's an I didn't know answer. that. <laughs> <laughs> Which one politician at the local, state, or national level do you admire the most? I am going to have to say uh, right now it, it still has to be. Um, I, I really admire Libby. She's mm-hmm. top of my list right now because I think this situation with our immigration system has been so painful. And um, uh, my mother was an immigrant, mm-hmm. and just to from where? Uh, she was actually from Austria, mm-hmm. so not. Uh, but I grew up with an immigrant with a you know mm-hmm. with a funny accent, and and just the idea that uh, we're treating immigrants so terribly. So mm-hmm. I, I'm so proud of the way she stood up, and and I'd like to see us all take on uh, these anti-immigration mm-hmm. forces. If you could control the future, who would be elected president in 2020? 
Well, of course, I wouldn't mind if, if uh, Kamala was president. That would be amazing. Uh-huh. I do love, I love all the women who are, who've been mentioned. Kirsten Gillibrand is uh-huh. one of my favorites. I, I adore Senator Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the three probably most talked about women. Yeah. Uh, so if I had my uh, magic wand, I, I would like to see a woman president. I don't think that should be an unreasonable request I don't in, think so either. in 2018. Right. Um, so I would say I'd have to say those three women. My little boy says the next 45 presidents should be women, so that it's fair. <gasps> oh, you're kidding. <laughs> I, oh, love that. I love that. That's great. Last question. Also, if you had that magic wand, what would happen to Donald Trump after 2020? He would be in shackles wearing orange. No question about it. <laughs> I have hesitate. a vision. <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you. Thank you, Heather. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is San Francisco by Goss Prom, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by Dominic Fercasa and Fernando Diaz. For more City Hall coverage, you can follow Dominic on Twitter at Dominic Fercasa and me at HNightSF. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com.